0: Hey, friends, welcome back to the Common Good AM 1160 Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us today. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, I want to start our Friday show here talking about marriage. I was reading, as I do, I like to read about People Magazine-ish type of people. So I was reading about Justin Bieber uh, because (laughs) I'm nothing. I love that. Aubrey, I'm nothing if not a believer. So uh true, Justin true. Bieber and his everyone wife, knows that about you. Exactly. Haley Baldwin. Uh, she talked about in an article, they were talking about their marriage and they're somewhat open about the struggles they've had in marriage and how celebrity is added to this. Uh, but she said this, Haley Baldwin is saying about her marriage. She says she, quote, made a decision to stick by Justin Bieber, no matter what the outcome was. She kind of wow. said. There was an intentionality in which she said, I'm in this. And mm. Aubrey, you and I do weddings. We do mm-hmm. premarital counseling. Uh, there is something to about marriage. I've been married going on 22 years. You you just behind us, you and Kevin just behind Carrie and I. Yeah. There is something to uh, the discipline of saying, I'm in this no mm-hmm. matter what. That is the recipe for a healthy marriage. Do you believe that?
1: A hundred percent. I, I no, obviously. Like, let's uh, the categories of abuse. No. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. Cheating. No. Okay. Outside of those ones, one hundred percent. I mean, this is like the key to marriage is deciding. Look, I'm in. There's no mm-hmm. option out. The only option is through, and I am not walking away from this person because at the end of the day, marriage is hard. There are seasons where you're like, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this, but Just to be able to say, but I'm in. This is a Mm -hmm. vow I made before the Lord, before my community to this person. I'm going to honor my vows no matter what. That's how marriage works. And... The beautiful thing is you do find joy and yes. excitement and seasons of friendship and and things that because life is a season, you do get through those hard times and on the other side, find the reward. But I'm sure she got some pushback for this, but I actually think this is very wise and beyond her years. Yes.
0: Yeah, I, And this is not to say, like, sometimes we talk about marriage, like it's either just bliss and in love and yeah. honeymoon and this and that, or it's I'm going to grind it out. I'm going right. to be committed. And this. And that. Right. the truth is both right yes, like absolutely. there's there's no more joyful thing in life i don't think in 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 re- speaking of relationships than marriage like i love being married to my wife right yeah. like it's not a chore but there are days where her and i need to just kind of go nope we're in this i love you i'm committed to you uh, but i'm not quote unquote feeling it at the yes. moment sometimes yeah. those are days sometimes those are weeks i would say if it gets to be months and years go see a good marriage counselor kind of do your work but it doesn't minimize the uh, the relationship. It actually elevates the relationship to yeah, say, exactly I'm right. committed to the vows that I made 22 years ago to you. Uh, I'm in this. Like, it, it's not saying that there's not times of laughter and bliss and love and all of this stuff, yes. feelings of love, but it's commitment and marriage requires that. And the quicker yeah, yes. that we can come to that, uh, the more likely our marriage is going to make it, right? When when, we, when we're when we like, oh, it's all just going to be easy, you're not going to make it.
1: No, you're absolutely not going to make it. But if you can decide from the get-go that no matter what, through ups and downs, I am committed to this person for the rest of my life, then you'll experience a really, really a sweet, sweet right. thing that marriage is. I'll never forget on my wedding day, my grandmother who has passed away now, but at the time had been married, you know, 50 years said that to me. She said, that, look, this is it for you. You, There's no, like, you don't go to the left, you don't go to the right, you don't start thinking about other men, you don't, like, there's no option now, except for Kevin. This is the choice that you're making. And I remember being like, ah, that's so overwhelming. <laughs> but I get it now. Like, that really is the key to um, a marriage that lasts, yes. but also a marriage that lasts while building a beautiful friendship with this other person.
0: 100%, 100%. And then our friend Derwin Gray, Pastor, former NFL player, author, we've had him on the show before. He tweeted about marriage Hmm. and he said this. I would love to get your feedback on this. He said, after 20 plus years of marriage counseling, I have found that the marriage is usually not the problem. The problem is usually the undealt with baggage and trauma that each person brings into marriage. Whoa. This idea that none of us come into marriage as blank slates, but that we bring trauma, we bring baggage that shows itself not just in year one, but also in year five, year 10, year 20, and so on. What do you think Mm. about what Derwin had to say there?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that is some wisdom right there. Like, it's typically not, oh, I married the wrong person. I didn't marry my soulmate, X, Y, Z. It's It's usually, hey, I am a broken, unwhole person, and I'm coming into this relationship assuming that I'm fine when I'm not. And all of my brokenness is spilling out onto this person. And so I think he is exactly right. This is part of why marriage counseling is so powerful is to end up as, as you experience healing and wholeness from pain in your past, it does make you a healthier person and a healthier partner. Mm. And so I think there's, I think that's a really interesting perspective because it, it really does I think it helps us move from just blaming like, Oh, this person, I married the wrong person. I should never have married him or her. Um, but instead going, Oh wait, maybe this is, there's something in me, some pattern of behavior that I learned growing up, or or this is triggering something in me that the Lord has not quite healed yet. And if we, I think we would do well to like deal with our own pain and heartache. Um, alongside our partner so that we can be a better partner.
0: That's good. I think that uh, being reminded that we are all affected from things that happened, even small things in our childhood, right? Ways yep. that we were raised, things yep. that were part of our family of origin. Like, it's why we talk about those things in marriage counseling, but that we're, again, when we get married, those things don't get wiped clean. But now mm. it's it's not just two people becoming one. It's two kind of stories becoming yeah. one.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and there are things that my wife and I, I know we – bring into our marriage from how, uh, you know, things from my childhood, her childhood, family of mm-hmm. origin, whatever else, that all of a sudden you're like, why are we acting like this? Why are we fighting? And the, oh, OK. And this is why marriage counseling, even later on in marriage, is a good thing. Uh, but we all have baggage. We I've yeah. got baggage from last week. I've got baggage I mean, seriously. from 30 yes. years ago. <laughs> right. But we got to talk those through, right? Like husband yeah. and wife, you need to continually be working through those, don't you think?
1: Oh, I think one hundred percent, and I think that's actually part of the beautiful invitation in marriage is that you end up holding a mirror to your spouse, and mm-hmm. they hold a mirror up to you, and you kind of see things you would not see without that person like knowing you as well as the spouse knows you, and then you're faced with really a question, which is okay. I I am I going to deal with like that ugly stuff I'm seeing in the mirror, or am I going to ignore it? But I think like that's it. it that really can be the gift of. Uh, marriage that can be the gift of partnership that can be the gift of a best friend is that we um, are able to help shape each other more like Christ and then yes. become better you know, partners to one another.
0: Yeah, marriage is messy. Marriage is hard. Marriage is wonderful. All of those things can be true. Absolutely. Uh, And wanted to kind of encourage you through that. Well, coming up next, the co-editors of a new book called Power Women, Stories of Motherhood, Faith, and the Academy, Dr. Deshauna Collier-Gubel and Dr. Nancy Wong-Yoon, they are going to join us for a fascinating conversation about their new book next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Common Good AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. And Aubrey, we're thrilled to be joined by the co-editors of a book called Power Women, Stories of Motherhood, Faith and the Academy. That's Dr. Deshauna Collier-Gubil and Dr. Nancy Wong-Yoon. How are you, Deshauna and Nancy? Thanks for joining us today.
2: So great to be
0: here with y'all. Yeah, we are glad to have you. And what we would love to do before we jump into the book, let's have you guys introduce yourself first to our audience so they could get to know you. Uh, Deshauna, why don't we start with you? Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience?
3: Sure. I am um, Dr. Deshauna Collier-Gubil, Interim Dean of the School of Behavioral and Applied Sciences at Azusa Pacific University. Um, I study race and crime and gender and crime, so how the criminal justice is system impact those groups. And I am a mom of super
0: twins. (laughs) That's awesome. And Nancy, how about you? Uh, Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience?
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Nancy Wong-Yoon. I am an associate professor of sociology at Biola University. I study Hollywood and racism. And <laughs> and I, I guess I think of myself sometimes as a pop culture expert. I love to talk about <laughs> all things fun as well as critically. And so I am also a mom of uh, two girls, uh, 12, 12 and 14. So teenagers. Wow.
1: Oh, wow. Nancy, I was saying off the air that I I want to be a pop culture
2: expert. So I'm a little bit jealous <laughs> of that aspect of your role. It is fun. I get, I get invited to like Netflix premieres. What?
1: And... Oh, now I'm, ex- <laughs> now I'm very jealous. Well, Dashauna and Nancy, thanks so much for being here with us today. We're so excited to talk about this new book, Power Women, Stories of Motherhood, Faith, and the Academy. Dashauna, let me ask you this first, and then Nancy, you can answer after if you don't mind, but what motivated the two of you to take on this project?
3: we were looking out it started from a group that at one of our universities at biola university and from there it grew and blossomed into us just having some conversations and thinking about what is the book that we would have loved to have had when we were like charting the course to become moms uh while while being faculty members so that's kind of how it came together
2: Yeah, it's something that we um, were talking about. Actually, we were so busy being moms and just trying to survive. But for years, this Professor Mommy group that we had, it's essentially like a water cooler group for a lot of women, you know, don't necessarily have those networks, especially moms who are trying to just teach and do their service work and then go home and take care of children. We didn't have a lot of extra time. And so we really just had this kind of luncheon group that that our, that our university actually helped sponsor. So that was really cool. And being able to yeah t- tell our stories like on paper so that, as Deshauna said, future women who are thinking about maybe, you know, having children as well as becoming professors can have a reference and, and also be inspired. Oh, that's great. And Nancy, let's start with you here. Uh, what are the challenges that specifically Christian
0: mothers who want to get into the academy phase? Like what what very specific uh, struggles are there?
2: Yeah. So I think that, um, all women, um, you know, face just challenges of having to kind of balance this work life, especially during the pandemic. We're really seeing this that, you know, that childcare has kind of poof disappeared. And <laughs> yeah. so women have had to really step up and have to make a choice about, you know, maybe leaving the workplace or, you know, or if their jobs are no longer and then, you know, having to kind of consider those financial and family, um, obstacles and, and you know, which ones to prioritize. And then, you know, for Christian women, I think that there are expectations of motherhood, that whether it's externally imposed or internally imposed, uh, whether it's within the relationship or within the church, all of those kind of ideas of what is a good mother, you know, a good Christian mother, and what, is, what are our responsibilities? All of those, it's, it's, I think, added layers of consideration for Christian women who are in higher education.
0: Oh, that's great. And Dashauna, how would you answer that question? What are the specific challenges facing Christian mothers?
3: I think Nancy answered it very well. I think just navigating that internal and that external. And so always moving in and out of whether or not I'm being a good mom. What does it mean to be a good mom? Am I being a good faculty member? What does that mean? Am I being productive enough? Um, And so the book that we uh, had the pleasure of co-editing helps to navigate some of those uh, conversations. Um, And actually we have chapters that are dedicated to showing women how one, Definitely influences and and helps the other. So, how being a good mom has helped me to be a better professor, and how being a professor has helped me to be a better mom. So, um, I think that's the cool thing about it when we're able to look at it from that perspective instead of seeing them as competing realities.
1: Oh yeah, that's so good. And Deshauna, let me just ask you another question. As as you gathered some of these stories and, and began going back and forth with contributors. Was there something that really stood out to you, a highlight maybe of the process? Oh, yes. I mean, I think just the the level of vulnerability
3: um, that these women shared in their storytelling uh, in the chapters and how cathartic it was for them and how cathartic it was for, for even Nancy and I. Um, so we, we just had so much fun reading the stories reliving things thinking about it through like our lens and thinking about it through other lenses and just it really just continues to show how there wasn't a place um there wasn't a book that would really address all these different parts of us um and so for me it's just just the vulnerability of the women as a researcher you're not always able to be very vulnerable in your research you actually you like try to want to remove yourself as much as you can um to be a good researcher and then being a mom you're not able to always bring in that research like I can't lecture to my five-year-old twins about you know the rate of incarceration of black women like that just (laughs) happened around (laughs) this is like an opportunity to even like live into that unique space even more
1: mm. Oh, it's so good and then Nancy how would you answer that question any particular highlights for you
2: yeah, like Deshawn has said, the vulnerability of the women. We, and, you know, women talk about their mental health challenges. They talk about um, we have uh, sections where women um, discuss, you know, infertility, miscarriage. Uh, so a lot of taboo topics that I think uh, women just in general don't talk about. That we wish we we could because so many women deal with these issues right on the path to motherhood. And I think that for for women who are very high achievers, you know, a lot of working women. So I think that this this book would. Um, have appeal beyond just the academy because you know women are are more and more into the workforce and how do they bounce? and even like I think spiritual and biblical um, topics like okay what happens if the woman is the breadwinner right how does that look in in biblical marriage and and um, Dr Joy Qualls for example who's a, a professor and associate Dean at our university at Biola she talks about how servanthood right that that actually what does that look like and what does it look like when when her husband is staying at home with the kids and and serving the family in that way so that she can you know excel in her profession and and all of that within a beautifully like biblically um, you know mandated <laughs> marriage situation and so I think it's really um, I think lovely to be able to think about how um, how you know the the challenges of marriage and 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 raising a family, all that can come together in a unique way, because our book is really the first book to ever address um, professor women uh, of faith in the academy. It, it, there's no other book like it. And I think that this will really just speak to so many women's hearts, and,
0: and as well as men, Again, the book is called Power Women, Stories of Motherhood, Faith and the Academy. Uh, Dr. Deshauna Collier-Gubel and Dr. Nancy Wong-Yoon, uh, they are the co-editors. I'd encourage you to go out there and pick it up. And we're thrilled uh, that Deshauna and Nancy are going to stay with us. And Nancy, let me ask uh, a question, something you said. Uh, why would this be a good book for men to read as well? Why is this just not simply a good book for women and, and women in the academy?
2: Yeah, I think that, um, even in my own marriage, I think about like, I had to talk with my husband, like, you know, he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, no, this is, this, these are your children. You're not helping me. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're both parents here, right? And so I think that any kind of struggle or challenges that women have in mothering, in balancing work life, it, you know, within the within the marriage, you know, husbands need to understand. And within the academy, administrators need to understand what is it that that professor women who are mothers are are going through so that they can better accommodate. Because these are these are women who are extremely talented, right? We are balancing a million things. And there are some there are chapters that talk about how, again, there's a synergy. And also that that actually statistics show, research shows that uh, that women passed past the, I think the Early, early um, childhood rearing that they are actually more productive than their counterparts, right? Because they've really picked up the ability to maximize every single second of every single day. Because we know we have such limited time, and so and so for high achieving women, for women who want to be the best in all the realms that they're in, it's really incredible. And so that's why we need uh, men and women to read this, and they don't necessarily have to be, you know, mothers or fathers even to just better understand this population. But again, I think that, um, that there's wisdom in here for beyond just mothers. Um, yeah. And just even beyond the academy as well.
1: Fantastic. And Deshauna, one of the things we briefly talked about off air was, you know, being a woman in the academy, being a mom, balancing so much. I'm sure you want to give up quite a bit. What, what carries you through? And, and uh, some of the other women that contributed, what was it that carried them through as well?
3: Oh my goodness. So I would definitely say our faith. I mean, that is the string that binds us all together. And so our reliance on God our going back to God, our, um, getting into scripture, like delving deep into their Christian community with each other. Um, that's kind of been super helpful. Uh, for me specifically, I have a village that helps me to support my children. Uh, so I talk about this in the book where my, um, My husband passed away uh, almost three years ago, Mm -hmm. and so I I now solo parent my Mm five-year-old twin, um, and so I need a village. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need a village of support, Mm -hmm. and so that village reaches far uh, and wide, and so for me, those are in those moments where I feel like, oh my gosh, I need to give up, that is when I pack the kids up, and we go have dinner over at my parents' house. Um, or or I ship my kids over to my sister's house and I go away for a weekend. Um, so I think definitely looking for those, um, those moments. And in our book, we have at the back of each chapter, there are some study questions because you actually made me think about that because there's a question where I ask and help women to identify what is their village, what can be their village. Um, so that's a great way to use the book. You can use it like in a study group, everybody read together and then answer the study questions at the end.
0: Oh, that's really good. Nancy, how would you answer that? I'm interested just kind of some of the findings that you've seen in this.
2: Gosh, I think about, um, there's one chapter with Dr. Jane Neely, who talks about seeing, I think, the the mother in God, not just the father, but the mother and having that kind of, you know, because God is our parent, right? God is our creator, God is everything. And so to kind of draw from God's love into how we mother, and to be able to receive that kind of love and to see the parallels in how we care for those around us. It was so beautiful to me just reading her wow. chapter, and because I had never even... And thought of it that way, you know, because we're so used to thinking God as Father and to have the kind of, um, you know, the feminine as well in there. And I think that just there, it was, there's chapters that are very meditative to make you help you think about um, how God can manifest. And, you know, we have chapters where where we have pastors, wives, and actually one of our contributors is a, is a, is an ordained minister as well. And so there's just a lot of a collective wisdom, um, throughout and just feeling, feeling kind of, you know, you're part of a community, especially since a lot of times mothers feel very alone. Mm. We're in a society where we're all kind of parent alone rather than in the village that Deshaunah talked about. And so this, we're creating a virtual village, right? Through, through this book and hopefully encouraging, um, people in their universities to create create more villages, you know, institutional help, right? Not just kind of, you know, churches, churches as well, but also institutions that, you know, that have these talented power women to be able to support them in this way, to be able to, to allow them to find community with one another and share wisdom like we did.
0: Thank you for that. And uh, let me ask you, let's start with Nancy on this So Nancy, um, We often read stories about now what college students are like now. And I'd love to just hear from people from both of you who are working in colleges, Christian schools. Uh, we all, we read all these articles that kids are just giving up their faith. Uh, I'm wondering kind of what you see in this next generation. What do you see in these students that you're pouring into and teaching on a day in and day out basis?
2: Yeah. Our students want to see. Um, Christianity, Christians really um, be involved in the world, right? In terms of um, seeing, you know, when we see that there are, ra- there's racism, there's, you know, there's class, you know, class differences, there's poverty. They want to see that Christianity can make a difference, right? That it's not just kind of like we're here in our bubble talking about the Bible, but that we are in the world doing good, spreading the gospel through, not just through words, but through, through you know, through through actual like on the ground, boots on the ground work that we are sharing God's love. And so I think that they really want to see that our faith is active, right? Not just passive. And so I think that, yeah, that, you know, I think that young people very much would take to the faith. I think if we really are are walking the walk and not just talking the talk.
0: Yeah. And Deshauna, what do you see in students? How would you answer that question?
2: Yeah, I mean, picking up on what Nancy said, I would say,
3: you know, I think that they, they're not necessarily walking away from the faith. I think they're asking different questions um, that might be more challenging um, for us to answer, but we should dig in and, um, and get in there with them and answer it. I think another thing I would say is that um, when we when we think of students, right, these days in higher education, we're not just thinking about people who are like 17, coming right out of high school. We're also thinking about working professionals who are parents and they're married and they're returning to school. Um, We're thinking about there's a lot of folks coming back for graduate education. And so those are students as well. So just the term students, it's just so broad these days. But even focusing in on that 17, like right out of high school um, age group, because that's who we're traditionally speaking about uh, when we say students. Um, I think that they're, I think Gen Z is amazing. They are awesome. They are so inspiring to me. I love to just be in their presence and hear their creati- creativity and their boldness. And I think that if we just allow, because God can handle it. God can handle it. The Bible can be the main source, right? I think sometimes we get in the way um, and we're not listening to them. We're not listening to the questions that they're actually asking, and we're not leading them necessarily back to God, because those questions are challenging for us. So I think that's the the concern. If we can get ourselves out of the way, um, then I, I don't think that
0: they would be leaving the church. That's such a good word. Thank you for that. Again, uh, Dr. Deshauna Collier-Gubill and Dr. Nancy Wong-Yoon, they are the co-editors of a powerful book called Power Women, Stories of Motherhood, Faith, and the Academy. We'd encourage you to go pick that up. Deshauna and Nancy, this has been a great joy. Thanks so much for spending time with us today.
2: So wonderful to be with you. Thank you for having us.
0: Absolutely. Our pleasure. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.
1: everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. I'm Aubrey Sampson, joined by my co-host, Brian Fromm, and we're so glad to have you with us. Brian, one of the things that I think is really, really powerful are stories of people who have been through trauma Mm -hmm. and then out of their trauma, they help heal other people. And I read a really powerful story, which we'll talk about in just a minute that I wanted to share with you about what one Chicago tattoo artist is doing to help people heal from trauma. But just if I pose that question to you, I mean, it's a big one. How can we help others heal from trauma? Do you have a pastoral thought about that?
0: I do. As we were talking about it, it's very biblical, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we're all going to face trauma. We're all going to face hard times. Uh, Jesus says, you know, when you face hard times, not if uh, we're all going to face them. So the, really, the question is, What? how do you respond? How do you respond to them? And I even think of yesterday's show, Aubrey, where we got to spend time with Tony Evans and Priscilla Shire. And you asked him about, you know, the loss of his wife and yeah. coming out of COVID and all of this stuff. Uh, and he was able to give a word, basically saying it it's a matter of perspective. Mm-hmm. What do you do with it? Uh, and, and I think that's the answer, right? Like if we think I'm just not going to ever deal with anything, then we're fooling ourselves. But if we could think to ourselves in advance, when hard times come, here's how I'm going to respond, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to cry out to the Lord. I'm going to try to wrestle. But then I'm going to now use it as a gateway to uh, to help other hurting people, right? Uh, yeah, it's good. Who are the best people to help people going through trauma and going through pain? It's people who have recently or, you know, yes. have gone through yes. similar trauma and yes. similar pain. And we never like to go through the trauma and pain. But I think when we can redeem it and see that there's uh, an opportunity there, I at least think it, think it gives it purpose. It doesn't yeah. give it ease. It doesn't take away the sting mm-hmm. of it but it at least gives it purpose. So that's my thoughts. Like use your trauma and your pain uh, in a way to bless other people who are going through similar trauma and pain.
1: Yeah. And you're right. That's so biblical. Uh, The new Testament talks about how we comfort others with the comfort we've received in Jesus Christ. Like, I think that is just a, the beautiful thing that God does is when we have, like you said, been through suffering, then we become very, very able to empathize with people who are walking through it. And then if we've come out on the other side with some type of hope and increased faith, we can walk people that journey as well. Well, I was reading a really powerful example of this over at religionnews.com. There's a Chicago tattoo artist who talks about how he went through a lot of trauma as a teenager. He lost his father at a young age. He was bullied for um, his mixed race appearance. And then this is really terrible. In 1999, just after he left for college, his girlfriend was killed by her ex-boyfriend in a murder suicide. But here's what he says. The pastors at his church took him under their wing. He was a boy with no safe male influence in his life. He didn't grow up around healthy relationships. He was actually scared of men, but he had safe men who cared for him He went into therapy and eventually he says a whole new world was opened up to him. And then here's Mm. the incredible thing. So the guy grows up, becomes a tattoo artist. He always loved to draw. He majored in fine arts, graphic design, and religion. And now he has, I mean, it really, it's not a ministry. It's for profit, but it seems like a ministry where he is tattooing trauma victims. He's mm. tattoo tattooing women who have had mastectomies. He is um, using his time to tattoo people like in places of their wounds as part of their healing process. Powerful. He's a local guy here in Chicago, but isn't that powerful?
0: It really is. And it's, it's using your unique talents and your history, right? He went through an, un, I mean, I can't imagine that trauma, right? At, at the age of being a, uh, what do you go to college at 18, 19 years old, uh, and having your girlfriend be murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I can't imagine that trauma, but he is over time, not right away over time. He has said, I can use what I know about trauma and, yeah. and bless other people through my specific skills of tattoo artists. Like you can't, you and I can't be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a tattoo ministry. Right, right. Like you have to have some sort of skill at it. Yes. Right. And so uh, he's using his, his hurt, plus mm-hmm. his skill to yes. bless other people and that's kind of the story here you see it mm. in the stories that are that are talked about here of just going uh people being blessed in this unique way that nobody else really could i think this kind of puts um it put legs to what we were talking about before how can you use your trauma your yes. pain yes. your skills to bless yes. other people
1: it it makes me think about you know when god tells moses that he's going to set the Israelite people free from being enslaved by Pharaoh. Mm. And Moses asks him something like, you know, Lord, not me, or how am I going to do it? Or, you know, some version of that. And God just asks him a question, what is in your hands? And Moses looks down and he's got a shepherd's staff in his hands. And there is something so powerful about that, that the Lord often uses the very thing that we're already doing yes. to be the thing that ends up being like the anointed thing that brings healing and restoration to other people. And so I, you're right. Like you and I are going to start a tattoo artist. shop tomorrow right but uh, i think for all of our listeners you can ask yourself that question what is in my hands like what am i good at what am i already doing how can i begin to do that with purpose to bless other people right and uh, one of the things that i love in this article is uh, he's asked the question this tattoo artist is asked the question by the interviewer how does faith show up in your interaction with your clients and he says this A lot of my clients have cancer and they're metastatic, which means they could die in two years, 10 years, or three months. They're staring Mm -hmm. at death daily. And there are so many conversations I have with them and God, and they're beautiful. There's a part where he talks about having to stop to cry sometimes while he's in the middle of doing these tattoos. But then he says, what's beautiful to me is how these people want to talk less about themselves and more about how they want to embrace the people in the community around them. It's powerful. Having these healthy conversations around religion, like what do you think about the afterlife? How does your faith help you cope with your suffering and your loss? If these questions are met with openness and love, then there can be a lot of healing in those conversations. So he's using this almost as an evangelical tool as well, which I think is really cool.
0: Yeah, it's a reminder again, and we talk about this often. uh, If you think you're going to go through the world with no pain. Now, hopefully we don't go through the pain that, that this guy did and others do, but On some level, you know, to some degree, you're going to have pain and trauma in your life. It's going to happen. It's a fact of life on this side of heaven. And so really the question is, as you grieve and as you process, what are you going to do with it? God redeems our pain yep. and he uses it in the lives of other people to grow them and encourage them in very unique ways. And and this is an inspiring story of that, uh, that reality.
1: Yeah, that's a good word, Brian. And let me just share one more thing. I don't know if I've said his name, the tattoo artist is David Allen. You can find his studio in Chicago. He has, by the way, give a tattoos to Lady Gaga and nice. also just to anonymous people as well. But, um, Here's one thing that he says at the very end. It's not a coincidence that I am giving people the things that I've always needed myself. There's healing in that. So I think that's a good word for all of us. Maybe think about uh, the things you've been through. Like Brian said, the things that are you're already doing, your skill set, and what you needed when you were walking through that hard time and how mm-hmm. you can offer that to other people. All right. It's Friday. Top five list. Top five list. Nice. We are so excited. We have a very, uh, let me say, powerful one for you (laughs)
0: when we return.
1: You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good. It's Friday and my name is Aubrey Sampson. I'm alongside my co-host Brian Fromm and I said it's Friday because we all know what that means. Brian, what does it mean?
0: It's our favorite Friday uh, thing that we do, the top five list. That's how we send you into the weekend.
1: That is how we send you into the weekend. And I just have to say uh, historically as I reflect on the top five list, I don't think we knew this would was going to become like our regular thing every it Friday is. when we started it, but we love it.
0: We do. We, we do. Hope it's, you it, love it's, it as well. It's like my favorite thing we do. I don't know how other people feel about it. It's kind of my favorite thing that we do. So I, no. I'm like, yes, let's do it.
1: Everyone loves it, Brian. Everyone loves it. And part of the reason that we love it is because of our fabulous Top 5 theme song from our producer, Debbie. Let's go ahead and take a listen to that.
2: Top 5, Top 5, Top 5, Top 5 five things with brian and
1: aubrey okay today's top five list is the top five superpowers we wish we had yes this is honor of all of the marvel movies the new ones that have just come out this is in honor of superheroes of our childhood the superpowers we wish we had
0: brian Mm -hmm.
1: are you ready
0: I am. I am. I think we're finally going to have some crossover. Let's see. I think we are too. I'm
1: excited about this. All right. This was hard to put in order because they all seem amazing. But let's start with your number five.
0: My number five um, superpower I would like to have is super strength. Kind (gasps) of like Hulk. I would like to have super strength in which I can move things, pick things up, and uh, do whatever I want with that.
1: Anything in particular you would like to pick up?
0: Nope. 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 I just want to be I want to have the ability to do so. Do it. Yes.
1: Um, Brian, my number five is also super strength.
0: (gasps) Oh, here we go. This is gonna be the one. This is
1: very exciting.
0: This is it. This is it.
1: You might finally have something in common. Common good. Okay, number four.
0: All right. My number four superpower that I would like to have is the ability to read minds.
1: Brian, that is my number four! (laughs) <laughs>
0: no it's not
1: i'm not even kidding i'm not even kidding i have a ring right here we usually
0: don't cross over with one now we're Ooh. crossing over with our first yes two.
1: okay but let's dive into this a little bit because don't you feel like there's a good side and a bad side to be able to hundred
0: all of the all of these have a that's the thing about superpowers they all have like super strength i could use that to destroy things yeah or yeah. i could use that to build things up and to protect things the same with the reading minds i could use it for sinister things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or I could use it uh, for for good, and mm-hmm, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe we were, maybe we have this superpower, and we were reading one another's minds as we were putting <gasps> on our list. What?
1: Oh, you might be right about that. I, you were a little more selfless than me, just in that answer, because I was thinking, I don't want to hear the bad things people think about me. So I was making That is one of the ways that, you could use it. Way yes. more about myself. So if I could turn it on and turn it off, then I feel like I would be really good with reading minds. All right, Brian, let's see if we're we're uh 3 for 3. What
0: is your I number I doubt three? it. I doubt yeah, it. But we, here we go.
1: Okay.
0: Uh the number 3 uh superpower I'd like to have. I'd like to have the ability to fly. i like
3: an eagle to the sea.
1: Okay, that is on my list, but it is not the same order. Okay. So, um, yes, I Could think you just imagine? Be, I think that would be amazing.
0: Just the ability to just be like, you know what? I'm going to first of all, what must the view be like up there? It's got to be unbelievable. Mm-hmm, but also, mm-hmm. just the ability to get from one place to another. Yes, oh, it'd be so awesome. I know, Could it'd be, be like- so
1: amazing. Just go wherever you wanted to.
0: Now, maybe this one's going to pop up on yours later. It popped okay. up on my. Um, Honorable mention list. Mm-hmm. Usually people have to decide. I've done this with my kids. Would mm-hmm. you rather fly or be able to like stay underwater?
1: Oh, and
0: I always choose flying.
1: Wow. I never thought about being able to um, stay underwater as right. a that's very interesting like Aquaman. Or, yeah. Wolf. Yeah. Okay. All right. So
0: then what was your three?
1: Okay. My number three. Um, and I only know that this is now officially a superpower because of. Uh, officially m- m- yes because <laughs> of the marvel cinematic universe time travel i would love to be able to time travel
0: aubrey we are we're <gasps> still we still could have the same five no! is that we're on your still, list let's just let's just keep playing this out oh, why would you like oh, to time travel
1: oh, oh. I, there are just places in history that i think would be so cool to see and like famous speeches and and you know people in history that are famous and i wouldn't necessarily want to go back and change how things played out But it would be fun to even watch your own life sometimes too, you know?
0: Yes. There would be really fun to go back and and look at your own life. But then as you said, be able to go back in time, be able to go back and see the major events. I wonder going forward, that's a whole nother deal in time. I did just watch Back to the Future the other day with my kids. So it's a little bit on my mind. That is why for me, Aubrey, my number two superpower is time travel.
1: None. un. Unbelievable, Brian! This
0: is a first Whoa. in the Common Good history. This is wow. Now I'm nervous about your too. number two. And I like, one. don't.
1: I don't even want to say my number two. I feel like we should just move on now.
0: So the, <laughs> I'm. 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 <laughs> I'm inferring that your number one is going to be flying.
1: My number one is flying. We can just go ahead and jump that. Yeah, I want to be able to fly. I have dreams where I can fly. It is so, so, so fun. So that is my number one.
0: I'm nervous. I'm uh, nervous. Uh,
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to. So we
0: need your number two to match my number
1: uh, one. Uh, should we say it at the same time?
0: Nope. Nope. But I promise I won't change mine. I okay. have it. It's All written right. in front of me. I okay. promise whatever I say is binding. Right.
1: I'm not going to change mine either. I'm not going to second guess myself. My number two is invisibility.
0: And that is also my number
1: one. (laughs) It is a banner day at the
0: common good where we. Hold on. So we literally just had the same five, a little different order, but we don't normally have the same one. We
1: don't ever have the same one. This is look at look at the power that heroes bring to our world. They unite us.
0: The power is yours. Maybe we can read minds.
1: If I could read your mind, love,
0: what a tale your thoughts could tell. <laughs> this is unreal.
1: Brian, I am so excited about this. Did you have any honorable mentions? We were so excited we didn't even get to that.
0: So mine one of mine was being able to be underwater, so Aquamanish okay. okay. yeah. And my other honorable mention it was I, it was this one I debated because number five was super super strength. and mm-hmm. so honorable mention was super speed.
1: So Brian, that was also an honorable mention for me, but I I that I was choosing between flying and super speed because I feel like they both accomplished the same idea. Just getting somewhere fast. So I felt like flying was more exciting.
0: Oh, flying is definitely more exciting. We haven't talked about uh, invisibility certainly has some, uh, you could go definitely (laughs) dark and wrong with invisibility. (laughs) okay, let's talk
1: about that one because we've got a couple minutes left. So why, why is that one for you?
0: Because well, it's awesome, yes, but more so, I would like to use it for good, you know, where there's nefarious things going mm-hmm. on, I can make myself invisible, yeah and uh and though, so there are there are dark ways that this could be used, there are ways that would probably be not. Um, not Christ like, if you will, but, but I would use it to, to stop nefarious people and, and like, cause we're superheroes. So it's implied that we're, yeah, you're doing, you're doing, you're doing right things side.
1: for the common good. I, um, I liked it because, you know, Harry Potter had his invisibility cloak and he, did. He, he did good things with that. I also think it would be, this is where it could get weird. But I like the idea of, of um, like being able to stay at a place like Disney World and no one knows and you're there after dark and you're writing all your rides, or you're checking in on your kids and they don't know. I don't think I would check in on someone like that I shouldn't, but I like I like that the spying aspect of it.
0: The spying on your kids is starting to go down a bad path. Yeah. I mean starting you're right. to go. Okay. I
1: hear that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Well, Brian, I mean, I don't even know how to end this segment because that just felt like a We just a pitched massive... a perfect game. We yeah. did. That was like history-making moment right there. Well, all right. We'll see what happens again next week. I feel like this surely was like lightning striking. It will not happen again. But we will see what happens. If we missed any superhero powers that you'd like to have, be sure to tell us on social media. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the answer... To busyness Is it work-life balance or is it something else? You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. It is Friday afternoon. We hope you're looking forward to an amazing weekend. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and I'm alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm, and we love on Fridays to send you out with something encouraging, inspiring, challenging, And uh, one of the things that has been on my mind a lot lately, Brian, because all this week I have been balancing work and mothering while finishing up my master's degree with my final exam, how in the world do we get to that elusive thing called work-life balance? Do you have any answers or suggestions for me and for our listeners?
0: Yeah, I think it at first, it's all about prioritizing, right? Like, what are the most important things? Not, not even what are the things I like the most, but what are the priorities of life? Um, and if mm. you see, right, we always talk about, you know, you're out of balance when the urgent is taking over for what's important. And so what are the important things of life? Family, my relationship with God, uh, my kids, my work, you know, it starts to, yeah. you know, if, if I'm skipping out on some of those to, Watch TV and play video games, or to go golfing all the time, or whatever else it might be. Then I'm out of balance, and yeah, and so I think there is a a thought process and then a recognition of what is most important. What are the things that are going to last? And so mm-hmm. I would start there. But Aubrey, let me ask you kind of a more provocative question. Ooh, ooh. is work-life balance an actual thing? that we should be striving for. It's kind of like when we talked about boundaries earlier in the week, is this something we should be uh, aiming for?
1: Yeah. I mean, I sometimes feel like, and I haven't put a lot of thought to this. Okay. But sometimes when I hear people say, yes, you can do all things as long as you have work life balance, there's something in me that goes, I don't know if that's right. And because I don't know that balance is really what we're after. And I, I, I can't, I don't quite, know, I haven't quite worked it out in my mind yet, but I think sometimes it's not about like balancing work and life perfectly, but like you said, like putting the most important things for prioritizing, prioritizing. it's about prioritization and, and stewarding the good gifts that God has given us in a way that honors him and honors people around us. Like, it seems like that's the greater question than um, am I giving the right amount of hours to work and the right amount of time to life outside of work? Like, am I living in a way that's stewarding well what God has put in my um, lap and anointed me to do? Mm. And, and I, I don't know. I, 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 do you have an answer to that? Like, you asked me that as if you had an answer. Do you think work-life balance is sort of a lie?
0: I don't, I think it's an important thing to think through. I think you hit it in the nail on the head, though. I think the, it's an issue of priorities. It's another mm. way to talk about our priorities. Sometimes we talk about work life balance. I said this with boundaries the other day, and I might just be entering more into my own soul right here sure. than anything else. I sometimes worry that work life balance boundaries is a, uh, is something that we say in order to, um, to be lazy. So, oh, I can't take that on or I can't do that because my work-life balance is out. Maybe we're not meant to have all this free time, or, but maybe we're meant to just prioritize. So I think you got it right. I think the answer is, do I have my priorities correct as a Christ follower, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, like, do I have them in the right order? And am I giving proportionally, not all the time, sometimes I have to give a ton of time to my pastor job, even though I would never put that at the top of my list, right? But am I giving sufficient time to each of them in this season? And if I think I'm okay with that balance, and I've got my priorities in right, then I think I've achieved work life balance, even if I'm running crazy, Mm. even if I'm going nuts in a season. So again, I don't think work life balance is Do I have a bunch of free time to counteract all the time I'm giving it work? Kind of the same way we said with boundaries. Have I set up boundaries so that I don't ever have to go out with anybody or talk to anybody or be Mm. made to be feeling comfortable? And so I don't. That's why I asked the question. I want to be careful about that. But I do think it's a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's I think what it does is cause us to look at our priorities and go, yeah, no, I I feel good about it. I've got them in order or no, nope, I'm off. I've got to make some changes.
1: Yeah, that's a really that's a really intriguing perspective. Well, um, earlier on today's show, we were able to be joined by Dr. Dashauna collier gubil and Dr. Nancy wong Yuen, the co-editors of Power Women: Stories of Motherhood, Faith, and the Academy. And I was actually over at christianscholars.com, dot com, and one of the contributors to that book a professor named Jennifer Powell McNutt um, shared something about her own struggle with work-life balance. And here's a story that she told Brian. And I thought this was like a beautiful picture for all of us. She said she was raised by a working mom. And so her mom would often um, work from home and that the rhythms of work and home were not like perfectly... Uh, delineated because of that. And so her mom had an office upstairs in her bedroom and her mom would set an empty chair by Mm. her desk and would say to the kids, look, I'm working, but this empty chair is there for you. If you ever need to come talk to me, if you need me for any reason, you just come sit in the chair and I'm there mm-hmm. for you. And um, this author was saying, you know, I didn't always go sit in my mom's chair, but even now that memory of knowing that even while my mom was working, she still like availed herself to me is such a powerful image of what it means to have your priorities in order like this. Her mom was called to do the work she was doing. She was also called to be a mother. And in that small symbol, she did both really beautifully. Isn't that powerful?
0: That's a great story. And, and this is an important conversation right now because uh, the work life divide has been gone done away with during this pandemic for many people yes. working from home, uh, and which is a blessing but it's also a curse because now you're always on your computer. You're like, when when am I doing housework versus when am I spending time with my kids versus when am I working? Yeah. Yes. Because it's all under the same roof, and so the when when we're just constantly on and working, I think that's really bad for both our families and also for ourselves and for mm-hmm. our own mental health. But when we're always like supposed to be working, but I'm going to go do the dishes or I'm going to go you know watch tv because the tv's there and that's what i do in my living room you know like that's also a a problem so i i really think that it boils down to intentionality mm-hmm. and it boils down to just an honest recognition of what's actually going on in my life what's getting my best time not just the most time but what's getting my best time and and what am i am i working when i'm supposed to be working playing when i'm supposed to be playing being with my family when i'm supposed to be with my family or that's kind of mesh together in some weird way.
1: Yeah, that's good. Jennifer Powell McNutt, the author of this article, says, though the tropes of our culture will prescribe finding a so-called like life-work balance. She actually puts that in quotes, life-work balance. At this point, I am drawn instead to the parable of the talents as leading me to embrace a Christian mindset of stewardship. So we've been talking about if every good gift comes from the Lord, she says, my time on this earth will my abilities, my family, and community, etc., then none of it belongs to me in the first place. How do I steward my time, energy, and talents in such a way that allows me to pursue love of God and neighbor? That Mm. is the true measure of our time on earth.
0: That's great. That's beautiful. Wheaton Prof right there. Wheaton Prof, our alma mater.
1: Yep. I actually had Jennifer McNutt for uh, one of my classes this summer. She popped in and did a guest lecture, and she actually talked about this, that for women, this sort of work-life balance myth is really impossible, but that we are called to steward what God has given us, remembering that it's His and not our own. I think that's a good word for all of us. Well, Brian, you have any exciting weekend plans?
0: Do we have exciting weekend plans? I'm, our church is going to feed my starving children on Saturday. That's oh, going to be fun. Oh, I love
1: feed my starving children. And then, no,
0: just a lot of family time, getting prepped because my oldest daughter turns 18 next week. We are going to have to talk me through that during next Brian, week's shows.
1: Brian going to be ministering to Brian next week. Well, we hope you have a great weekend, whatever it is you're doing. And thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian From I'm Aubrey Sampson. And you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.